The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. is A to Z Healing Toolbox, Tips and Tools for Navigating Grief and Trauma. I am your host, Susan Hannafin McNabb, social worker, educator, and author of the five-time award-winning guidebook, A to Z Healing Toolbox, a practical guide for navigating grief and trauma with intention. Together on this podcast, we will discover 26 powerful action-based tools and resources that will counter the negative effects of grief and trauma while assisting us in increased healing of the mind, body, and spirit. In each podcast episode, we will hear from inspirational guest experts in the fields of traumatic loss and bereavement, medical practitioners, mental health therapists, best-selling authors, spiritual leaders, nonprofit founders, and everyday individuals who are learning to live in the light despite profound darkness. Thank you for joining me. A to Z tips and tools are yours to integrate on your personal road to healing. Healing tool R, right brain release. Creativity healed me. I don't know that I could think of any word that I get more inspired by than the word healing by Sark. Welcome everyone to the A to Z Healing Toolbox podcast, where we discuss tips and tools for navigating the grief and trauma experience. Today, I'm so excited to be here with my friend and colleague, Joanne Fink, who I met Years ago, we'll have to tell the story and see if we have the same story, but today we're focusing on healing tool R, which is right brain release. Joanne is an artist and she'll be able to share with us her journey in using art as a healing modality and uh, maybe hopefully give us some tips and tools as to how we can do that, even if we don't consider ourselves artists. Um, but Joanne, if you re- do you remember when we first met? Because I remember. Well, then I will let you share the story. I remember where we first met, but not the specific. Well, so Camp Widow, of course, is where we met. And I'm trying to remember the year. It was probably maybe 2014 or 15, I About think. Then. Okay, because I was very new. Uh, Brent died in 2012, and I had just started presenting at Camp Widow. So I was in Camp Widow at Camp Widow, Tampa, maybe 2015. 
And I knew there was this beautiful woman named Joanne who was there. I did not, I think our sessions overlapped, so I was never able to go into your session. But afterwards, somehow we bumped into each other and I'm going to show you what you gave me. I don't know if you remember this, but it's a beautiful piece of art. Do you remember this? And it says, may you always be brave enough to fly. And it's a, a beautiful, it looks like a, a lily pad and a butterfly. Is that a lily? Yes, it is. So gorgeous. So I have this, it's been pinned up on my bulletin board in my office for all these years, just reminding me to be brave enough to fly. So I thank you for this. And you gave me some things for my son, who was young at the time. He was about seven years old. So you were my first introduction to the world of art in healing at Camp Widow. So thank you for that. Wow. I am so glad to know that. Right? You never know how you'll influence somebody's life. No. And it's really wonderful when you have the opportunity to find out years down the road the impact that a small gesture on your part might have made. Yes. So I'm wondering, obviously we met at Camp Widow. I'm wondering if you could share with the listeners just a little bit about your story, how you came to the widowed world, how you came to Camp Widow. And then after that, we'll get into how art became a part of your life or was it already a part and how that has helped you along the way. Great. I. Um, became widowed unexpectedly in 2011 when my husband had a heart attack and died two days before our son turned 12 and nine days before our daughter turned 17. And art has been a part of my life for a long time. I I am a working artist and Andy was my business manager. So we worked together, we parented together, And when he died, my world ended because the life that we had together was no longer possible without his being there. And I was so shell-shocked and I'm a lettering artist primarily and I draw every day, all day. And I was just in such shock, I didn't pick up a pen for two months after Andy died. And then when I felt I could, I picked up a pen and I would write down every day when you lose someone you love. And then I wrote and drew how I felt about it that day. And by the time I had finished uh, doing this for months and months, I realized I had a book. And so I, in Judaism, uh, we observe the first anniversary of passing with um, an unveiling where we unveil the headstone. And in years after that, it's called Yard Site, where we remember our loved ones and light a candle. And so for Andy's unveiling, I printed a few copies of this book to give to people who were there. And I actually printed 100 copies because that was the minimum that you could print. I didn't have 100 people there. But the people who were there asked me for other copies. And 
then I didn't have any copies. So then I printed 300 copies. And in a couple months, they were gone. And so I did a Kickstarter and printed many copies, 3,000 copies. And to make a long story short, um, when you lose someone you love, I think is really, it's a gift of comfort that, um, that you can give to people who are on their own grief journey. And so some of the pages are, when you lose someone you love, you are forever changed. When you lose someone you love, there is a hole in your heart that nothing can fill. And I would draw things, going back to the art part of it. And, um, and journaling became a spiritual practice for me since Andy died. And it's been 11 years. And we were married 29 years. And on my 30th wedding anniversary, nobody said anything to me. Not my parents, not my in-laws, not my children, not my friends. And I was devastated. And when I stopped crying a few days later, I realized nobody said anything to me because they didn't want to upset me. And this was just, you know, so ridiculous because nothing could upset me more on my 30th wedding anniversary than the fact that my husband wasn't there. And, and I am blessed with incredibly supportive friends and family. And it occurred to me that uh, if my incredibly supportive friends and family did not understand how important it was for me to talk about Andy on our anniversary, even if it made me cry, um, that probably nobody else got it either. And that was the catalyst for the work I do today. I decided we needed to change the culture of grief in America. And I was too dysfunctional in those early days to attempt any such thing. But I knew I didn't want anybody else to go through what I was going through, to not have a place and space to talk about loss. I had not yet discovered Soaring Spirits and Camp Widow. Um, and wish I had in the early days, but I didn't find that resource for a couple years. And I felt so alone. And that was one of the reasons I published When You Lose Someone You Love, because what I try to include are feelings that are really common as you go through your grief journey. Everyone's grief journey is different, and we all have or at least most of us have similar feelings as we process loss. You know, you gave me a copy of that little book, When You Lose Someone You Love. And for anyone listening, it's a fabulous resource and it's pocket-sized. So it's not a huge book, right? It's something that you can put in your backpack. You can give to someone they can put in their purse. Um, I love it. And 
I love you in so many ways, Joanne, but your drawings, your artwork is so calming in whatever space. I know you do greeting cards. You told me before this podcast that you've created some artwork around the Old Testament, um, the artwork in your books, on this uh, poster that you gave me. It's just uplifting and colorful. So I really appreciate that. And, and I wonder, as far as using color, right, was your artwork always colorful? There are black and white pictures in that when you lose someone else, when you lose someone you love book. So w- what is the use of color as you're grieving? Can you speak to that? I can. And it's interesting that you mention that because the first two thirds of the book is in black and white. And as I became a little bit more hopeful toward, you know, month 10 in my grief journey, I started adding a little bit of color and the color gets gradually a little bit brighter until, you know, the end of uh of the book and it's still pastel, it's still muted. And as uh, people who visit me know, I have painted my house in vibrant bright colors, which I must say Andy would not have liked. He liked white walls and, <laughs> and I have lime green and turquoise blue and coral orange and I love color. And my artwork has always been very colorful. Uh, and now my my journaling, the only thing that is not colorful really are my coloring books. I have written or drawn, however you call that, 11 coloring books. And my most recent one is called Expressions of Hope, which is was the first book I did during the pandemic and was designed to help people keep hope in their hearts because... It is so important to have enough hope to know even though today is not a good day and today you're grieving that you have hope that you might not always feel as devastated as you do right now. Right. I love that word hope. And so does Soaring Spirits International, right? We have hope, hope soars and the hope newsletter, um, hope fundraisers. It's fabulous. But let's back up for a second and talk about coloring books, because I did not consider myself an artist. I still don't, even though I have created a book and created curriculum, and I was a teacher and I'm a social worker, so I create things. But coloring books for me were a wonderful place to start, because in my circumstance, you know, Brent was missing for two weeks before I knew or anyone knew he had died in a car accident. And I was so traumatized that I couldn't get any words out. I couldn't journal with words, right? Because that's a left brain function. So my trauma therapist thought, okay, let's get Susan into the right side of her brain, color, art, imagery. And your coloring books, and I'd love for you to share the name of your company where people can buy them. They're, they're beautiful and 
right? Black and white. So we can put our own color in there. Um, so can you speak to the coloring books and how that might be a first place to start for those of us who may not think, hey, we have no artistic ability at all. And why should we even get into the right side of our brain? I would be happy to, if I can backtrack first and say how much I love your book. I have recommended it to so many people because it has a toolbox full of ways that you can navigate the grief journey. And, you know, I think creativity, we are inherently creative. And we express that creativity in different ways. For me, it comes out predominantly in art and words and a little bit in music. For you, it comes out in different ways. And the reason that coloring is so useful is it is a mindful activity. And we hear a lot about mindfulness these days. And the simple act of putting pen to paper is a visceral experience. And they've done studies, you know, your blood pressure lowers, your breathing slows, just the act of concentrating on the area that you are coloring is a way to relax. And so in that sense, it's a way to practice mindfulness. It's also a way to strengthen your creative instincts, even if you don't consider yourself to be artistically talented. You know, in my um, in my books, I try to give people um, ways to express themselves. And so I show people how to draw, and then I give them a blank template, and I encourage them to color it in different ways, to add their own text, to add their own illustrations to enhance, to use my coloring page as a jumping off ground for their own creative instincts. And I teach a lot of patterning because patterning is a mindful activity just like coloring. And so when I give workshops, it is often a combination of first we pattern and then we color the patterning. And and exploring new things. You know, I love the saying, when was the last time you did something for the first time? And, and trying something new is so important on many, many levels. And coloring is a rather unintimidating way to break out of whatever box you have put yourself in. And especially when you're grieving and you don't have the uh, left brain power to process thought, just the act of putting color to paper um, or cloth or whatever it is that you're painting. Sometimes my daughter would and I would just take paint and throw it against a big board outside because that's how we felt like. Coloring was, you know, almost uh, allowing ourselves the freedom to make a mess. And another nice thing about coloring is that 
we respond to different colors in different ways. And picking colors that make your heart happy and incorporating them into your home, into your coloring book, is a way of infusing your life with joy. And I truly believe that, you know, joy and sorrow are not exclusive emotions. We are capable of feeling both simultaneously. And especially when you're grieving, whatever you can do to infuse joy into moments of your life. Uh, so I'm a fan of coloring, which is why I've written 11 coloring books. <laughs> That's beautiful. Well, I appreciate your explanation of color. And I also appreciate you giving a few different examples of what people can do, right? They're with, with art or getting into the right side of the brain for healing. It's not just you have to be an artist and this is what you're going to develop, right? On a canvas. It could be coloring. It could be throwing paint at a canvas. I recommended to my virtual group of widows that they put just a, a big sheet of butcher paper on a, an, a door, right? So a huge long sheet of butcher paper butcher paper by the door with markers. I have markers right here. And every time they go by, just grab a marker and, and doodle, right? Whatever comes out, just put it there. It could be words. It could be a flower. It could be a storm. It could be anything, right? Just getting that brain going, getting the juices flowing on the right side. And I actually um, came out with a little box of cards that are called When You Lose Someone You Love. And they are it's a box of half cards to color and half cards that have um, different uh, inspirational sayings as well as grief-related sayings. And then you can pick the sentiment that you like. This one says, love never dies. It's okay to cry when your heart is breaking. Grief is not something you cure. It's something you carry. Um, so there's a lot of, we honor our loved ones by letting their best qualities shine through in everything we do. So these are all things from my own personal journaling. And I've tried to give them in a format that people, you know, in five or 10 minutes can just put down color. And this one says, my soul is lost, wandering in the desert of grief. And Andy likes Sahoro cacti, so I do. Oh, those are beautiful. I didn't know those were available. Uh, for, I wish that everyone could actually see this podcast as well as hear it, because Joanne is holding up examples of, of what she's created. And those cards are wonderful because they're pocket-sized as well. And one side is sort of an affirmation, right? And then the other is something that you can color in. Beautiful. Well, so they all have on the back um, little uh, areas that you could do mini journaling. Um, but some of them are actually full color messaging that you can share with people and others. So they're half to be colored and half to use as inspiration. And 
it's um, and they're available on Amazon. So. You know, I'm glad you said that because I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have hundreds of people listening to this and they're going to be saying, well, where do I get those? So I will ask you again at the end of the podcast, but we're now in the middle. Where can people find those cards? Where can people find your coloring books? So my coloring book, they can find pretty much everything on Amazon. Um, They can also, if they want signed copies, order the coloring books from Zenspirations.com, which is my art brand, or whenyoulosesomeone.com. And then I can sign it, but everything is also available on on Amazon. And for people who have Prime memberships, that's often easier. Yes, I do a lot on Amazon Prime. It helps as a solo parent to have somebody else bring me things, right? Rather than me going out to find things. I love that. So you mentioned when you do workshops, you incorporate patterning, you incorporate color. Where are these workshops? Who are you doing workshops for? And if anybody wanted to connect with you to do a workshop, is that possible? It is. I do workshops on Zoom as well as in person. And I have honed my Zoom skills over the last three years. Haven't we all, right? Yes. And uh, there's an art to teaching on Zoom because, you know, when I'm in person, I walk around and I look at what everyone's doing. And when you're on Zoom, you have to get people to hold your their work up to the camera. Um, so the way I teach is a little bit different. And what I teach has not changed. You know, I give people tools to navigate their grief journey. And I do a lot of fun creativity workshops and anyone can reach out. Find me at joanne at zenspirations.com and I can send a list of the workshops that I teach, which fall usually either into grief workshops or creativity workshops. And in the last couple of years, I've added um, some spirituality and Judaic workshops as well. So wonderful that you offer all of those things for people who are moving through grief and trauma. One of the things that I was introduced to that I didn't know existed was a type of imagery-based healing called soul collage. Are you familiar with soul collage? I am. Can you speak to that? Because it really, really helped me. And I'm not a soul collage facilitator um, certified, but I've brought in some soul collage materials to some of my workshops and people have these major breakthroughs. So I have not ever taken a soul collage class in part. You know, I've never read the Artist's Way handbook because I don't want to be influenced by what other people who are um, pioneering in the field do. So I can only talk loosely about soul collage. And uh, it is a process that enables anybody, no matter what their inherent artistic abilities are, to use, I believe, photography in the soul collage world um, and a glue stick and their soul and come up with something that is expressing what's in their heart. 
And I think we can do that a lot with bits of color. I once taught a workshop where everyone went to the paint store and got a bunch of paint chips. And we did a collage of color chips that migrated through a landscape of what they were going through. And it's always interesting to see the colors that people gravitate towards. And sometimes the relationship that that has with whether they are surviving a trauma or a loss and how far distance they are from that. You know, in my head, I think that when, when you've had a grief bomb or a trauma bomb go off in your life, it impacts every single part emotionally, physically, psychologically, socially. I mean, there's no part of your life that is not impacted by loss, especially sudden unexpected loss. Um, but you're never ready to say goodbye, even if you know that the end is near. And physically, I think it minimizes our ability to see bright color. And I don't know whether that is technically true, but when you look out at the world and the world is gray because you're grieving, it's hard to let the sun in. And so one of the things that's interesting for me teaching at, I teach at the Compassionate Friends, I teach at Camp Widow, um, I uh, give workshops at different spiritual organizations and you know synagogues and churches and art centers um, is the type of response that people have to the same stimuli and you know when I see people look through when you lose someone you love I know immediately whether they have at any point in their life suffered a loss because people who have lost someone they love whether recently or 10 years ago they read this book and they just keep turning the pages staring at them and most of them start to cry and I just hand them tissues and if they've never had the experience and many of us get to be 40 or 50 before we lose somebody in our intimate circle um, if they have not had a profound loss, by which I mean the loss of someone you live with. So for my children, their father, you know, was a custodial parent. That was a profound loss for them. Um, for most of us who are my age, you know, even though I'm really close with my parents, I don't define that as a profound loss because Although I spend a lot of time with them, I don't live with them. Um, so uh, the loss of the spouse is the largest kind of loss. The loss of the child, God forbid, at any point, whether or not they live with you, you know, that loss takes a long time to wrap your head around. And so people who have not had a profound loss look at the book and say, oh, that's very nice. Um, but people who've had a loss, it connects on some kind of soul level. 
I, I love how you said that, you know, everybody goes through this our own way and it takes a long time for us to wrap our head around. And the beautiful thing about art, whether it's soul collage, it's cutting, and I used not photography for soul collage, but um, just ripping pages out of magazines, right? Any images from calendars, wherever, just ripping and gluing and ripping and gluing. Um, whether it's collecting paint chips, whether it's putting a butcher paper on your door and just coloring, whether it's getting a coloring book. I mean, those, those tools, right? The tool of gathering um, those items to help, help it helps at month one, year one, year 10, year 12, right? I mean, art is beautiful because it's so healing. Have you found that? You know, you're, you said that um, Andy died in 2011. You know, for me, Brent died in 2012. So I'm at 10 years, you're at 11. Has your art changed over time and with your healing as you've moved along? It has changed both with my healing and with technology. Uh, you know, I got my first iPad, or Andy got me my first iPad right before he died. And the technology that allows for digital creation of art, which is not for me as personally satisfying as putting pen to paper. Um, most of my work is a hybrid. I draw and I paint physically, and then I scan what I do and I compose digitally. So my journals are just raw, you know, this is what comes out of my pen. And my, at least my colored finished work, um, very little of it is created totally by hand. Most of it is a mixture. And as technology has improved, and I'm not talking about artificial intelligence technology, I'm talking about Photoshop and the uh, ability to change colors and layers and make things bigger and smaller. You know, my artwork has changed in a large part because I'm not trying to create something that has to stay in that format. You know, I'm not trying to create an original. So if it doesn't turn out well, okay, well, I'll fix it in Photoshop or I'll do it again. You know, there's, it's much uh, less stressful than on occasion. Like I was asked a few years ago to create a piece for Soaring Spirits um, to auction off an original. Well, it took me a whole week to come up with one piece that I could have done in the computer in a lot less time. But, but you know, to do an original piece and have it both aesthetically pleasing and uh, just flowing. And as I mentioned, most of my work has words involved in it. So um, to write the words, long live love, which I did in, you know, probably have 12 different versions of the same piece. Um, but I got one and and sent it off uh, and frankly did find it a little bit stressful since I'm no longer used to creating original physical art. But I still 
enjoy the interaction of ink or paint on paper much more so than I do the Photoshop composition. But I can create things in Photoshop that I'm not capable of creating on the drawing board. And how wonderful to have different modalities for people, right? Some people are touch-based. I'm like you. I've got to touch it. I've got to have the paper. I've got to have the pens, the scissors, the glue sticks. Um, other people are in, are comfortable in front of the computer designing, right? Graphic design, computer design, um, Photoshop, all of that. So the sky's the limit, really, on creativity and healing, don't you think? I do. And for me, part of the digital aspect of my work is that Andy was a software engineer, and he always said he was a very creative programmer, and I'm sure that he was, although I'm not capable of appreciating his programming creativity. And somehow it makes me feel closer to him to finish my pieces digitally because, you know, that's that was his native language. Uh. That's beautiful. I love that. Well, Joanne, before we go, would you remind everybody where they can find you and what actually they can find when they go to Zenspirations or Amazon? So at Zenspirations.com, you'll find uh, some resources, videos, and um, tutorials on how to draw. Uh, You'll find a link to the Zenspirations Create Color Pattern Play Facebook group where you can post whatever cool things you're working on um, and a lot of visual inspiration and five years of blog posts that I wrote pre-pandemic. At Amazon, you can find all of my books and so forth. At When You Lose Someone, com. You can find resources. There's a free resource section that has links to groups and other things that will be helpful on your grief journey. And it also has a place where you can get a commemoration in memory of the person that you have loved and lost. And my newest website, joannefinkjudaica.com, has um, some of my community art projects. I'm working on artist in residence opportunities where I can go into a community. Joanne Fink, thank you so much for being here today on the podcast. I'm sure everyone is going to get a lot out of this and maybe go buy some paint or some coloring books. I hope that they will. Thank you so much for inviting me, Susan. It's been a joy to be here and I look forward to uh, seeing how everyone expresses their color and creativity. A to Z Healing Toolbox offers professional trainings, live and virtual workshops, podcast interviews, healing guidebooks, speaking engagements at conferences nationwide, small group virtual support, and solo sessions individually tailored to meet your unique needs. Books can be found on the A to Z Healing Toolbox website on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, and your local bookstore. If you would like to connect with Susan and join a small group for virtual support or 
schedule a solo session, please contact Susan at A to Z Healing Toolbox.com. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.